Sarah Gelly, I'm part of the preaching team here. You've probably seen me running around chasing an 18-month-old, even if you haven't seen me preach. Um, so it's good to see you in this capacity as well. Um, and this morning, I've got the real privilege of starting a series that we're going to be covering for the next four weeks, looking at the life of Abraham. So Abraham's story is in the Bible, which is a good start, isn't it? But in the book of Genesis, so um, right at the beginning of the Bible, it's one of the kind of key stories actually the whole of the rest of the bible is built on some of the accounts and some of the things that god said that we're going to be looking at in the next four weeks so two weeks ago vic kind of gave you almost like a movie trailer he gave you like the edited highlights of abraham's life just to introduce and to whet your appetite for what's going to come over the next four weeks so I want to kind of commend that to you. So I listened to it this week. I found it really, really helpful just in terms of encouraging us to be people of faith and looking back on the life of someone like Abraham and seeing what it is that God achieved through his life. We're now going to go back to the beginning um, and look at his life kind of from the start as the Bible describes it and tells us. I just want you to really approach the next four weeks with real faith and expectations. So this isn't just a series thrown in for the sake of it. It's a series that we really believe that God's put on, on our hearts for the church, that actually we would be a church who will grow in faith and expectation. So we have been called to journey with God. We've been called to be on the move. We've been called to be dynamic. We've been called to have an impact on those around us. And sometimes we know the details of that and sometimes we don't. And we're going to talk about that over the next four weeks. But we want you to approach this with a real sense of expectation. This isn't just a sermon. This is a chance to encounter God. This is a chance to hear from him, not only as individuals, maybe for you, for your life, for your family, but for us corporately as a church, as a church family, as we journey together. We want to do so in a way that honours God. Do you know, in Hebrews 11, we're told that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And actually, our ambition should be to be God-pleasers above all else. So let's really have faith that God would speak to us. Um, so having said that, I'm going to pray, um, and then I'm going to pick up the story at the beginning. Lord, I thank you that you give us all that we need for life and godliness. Lord, you give us a challenge that without faith it's impossible to please you, but Lord, you don't make that an impossible aim, Lord. You actually give us what we need, God, to have faith in you, God, to, to trust you for all that you've got. Lord, I know that you're living and active today, God, and I know that you've got a plan and purpose for your church, God, for our city, for our friends, for our communities, for our workplaces, Lord, for this world that's so broken, God, but yet has potential for such beauty. Lord, I just pray that by your power, Holy Spirit, would you be here today? Would you provoke us? Would you challenge us? Would you change us? Lord, would we leave this place different because of who you are and because of how you've spoken? Amen. Okay, so I'm going to pick up the story at the beginning. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read you the passage. that This is essentially where Abraham crashes into our Bibles, is in Genesis chapter 12. If you read back into 11, you'll just read a bit about his kind of family history and where he fits. But essentially, in terms of anything that he does or that God does with him, it's in uh, Genesis chapter 12 that he suddenly appears. So I'm going to just read that passage first. I've got, I've got control. I never have control of the sides. So if I forget, remind me, okay? So the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you 
and whoever curses you I will curse. All the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Lot was his nephew. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran, that's where he's living, I'll give you all this bit later. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran and they set out for the land of Canaan and they arrived there. Okay, so that's what we're going to look at this morning. Some of those might be familiar words to you. They've changed not only Abraham's life, but they've actually changed the, the direction of the entire world history, which we'll cover in a minute. Do you know, Abraham essentially appears in our Bibles at this point. So we, don't, we do know a bit about his background and his history, but in terms of why God chose him, we don't necessarily know that much about him. His story begins at the moment that God speaks to him, but actually his story is then continued for the whole of the rest of human history. So actually he went from essentially obscurity into becoming the only a key figure in the life of Christians, which we'll talk about in a second, but also the Islamic faith would trace their lineage back to Abraham. They trace their lineage from Abraham's oldest son, Ishmael. We're going to talk about him on the next week. Don't worry, he doesn't exist yet. Okay, But so the, the entire Islamic faith traces their roots back to him. The entire Jewish faith trace their roots back to him through his second son, Isaac, who again we're going to hear about in other weeks. And then we as Christians, as those who live our lives by faith and our children of faith, we also trace our line back to him. We believe that we inherit this promise through faith in Jesus Christ. So actually three of the world's major religions trace their roots back to this man and this climactic moment when God breaks into his life and speaks to him. It was a world-changing moment that is still having repercussions today. So who was he? Who was Abraham, or Abram, we'll cover that in a second, and why did God choose him? So, he was Abram at this point, and then he becomes Abraham. I apologise, I'm going to get that wrong, and I may well refer to him as Abraham quite a lot. That's only because that's how I'm used to him being spoken about. Okay, so it's habit. See, at this stage he was Abram, and that's a prophetic name, because that name actually means exalted father. Yet at the time that God spoke to him, he had no children. And that in his culture, in his age, would have been particularly significant that he had no children, him and his wife had not been able to conceive. And that would have had a massive impact on how he was seen in his community. It would have had an impact on who could have inherited his wealth. It was a big deal. Okay, so his name, actually with God's lens, is an amazing name. With a human lens, felt a bit harsh, to be honest. And then later on in his story, after an encounter with God, in which God kind of gives him the, the sign of circumcision, which again is another whole story, God changed his name to Abraham, which means father of many. Okay, so there's a real prophetic sense over his life that he is to be a father, but yet at the age of 75, he is not a father. Um, he arrived in our Bibles in Genesis 12, and uh, as I said before, Genesis 11 gives us a little bit of his kind of genealogy. So we know a bit of where he came from, but really his life and his significance to us begins at the moment that God speaks to him. So we know from chapter 11, that he had a father and he had two brothers, um, his father also had another wife, which would have been common at that stage. So from, his, from Abraham's mother, he had two brothers. 
And from another mother, he had um, Sarah, who was his, therefore his half-sister and also his wife. Again, that will be covered at another point. He lived in Ur of the Chaldees um, in approximately 2000 BC. So this happened about 2000 years before Jesus was born. And where he lived was about 200 miles southeast of Baghdad, I am reliably informed. So it's quite a long way away. Those of you who are good at geography will know where that is. If not, it's a long way away. Okay? But his culture, we know, was advanced. So we know from archaeological findings and things that his culture was advanced. There was reading, there was writing, there were libraries, there were schools where they found tablets, as in not iPads, but like old school (laughs) tablets. It wasn't that advanced. I mean, it's advanced, but you know, that hasn't happened twice, uh, where children would um, learn to read and write. So we know that it was a sophisticated culture where there was a history that was passed down to children. We know it was a cosmopolitan city. We know there were multiple pagan shrines. So actually there was a, there was a duplicity in, in faith and religion. Most people would have multiple um, idols in their home. So in some senses, yes, it was like 4,000 years ago, and yes, it was a long way away, but actually there were lots of parallels to our own culture now. So it was an advanced culture. It was a culture with lots of different um, religions and faiths. It was an educated culture. We know that um, Abraham was quite secure financially. He was doing all right. And then God breaks in and gives him a world-changing promise. And so you do kind of ask yourself, why did God choose Abraham? I think it's a really reasonable question, right? Like, why would he choose that man to carry a promise that has actually impacted the whole of the rest of human history? Arguably one of the most influential men who has ever lived. Why did God choose him? And the answer is we don't know. The Bible doesn't say. Because actually, his story begins, the relevance of his story begins at the moment that God breaks in and God speaks to him. And God chose him because he wanted to, fundamentally. God chose to choose him. He chose to have him um, to be the one who would change the world. And you might be sitting here, and either you are a Christian or you're not a Christian, but you might be sitting here thinking, why would God choose me? Why would God choose me to have any impact in the world around me? Why would God choose me to be part of the church through which he plans to change the entire world? Why would God choose me? I'm just a bit irrelevant. Actually, he chose you because he chose you, just like he chose Abraham. Actually, he doesn't need to give you a reason. Abraham's story begins at the moment that God speaks to him, and your story can begin at the moment that God calls you out to be his, at the moment that he calls you out. Um, And he does that because he wants to, because he's God. And I find that incredibly liberating. So let's have a look for a second at what God said to him. So God said um, quite a lot, and we're going to unpack that in a second. But within it, there's contained a call and a promise fundamentally. And as God speaks to you out of your situation, wherever you are, he calls you with the same two things. He calls you with a call and he calls you with a promise because he hasn't changed, which is great. So let's have a look for a second at the call that he gives to Abraham. So the call fundamentally is to go. So the Lord has said to Abraham, go from your country, your people and your father's household to a land that I will show you. So the call is for for him to make a complete severing and about turn from everything that he knew. See, God left no place for doubt. If he just said, go from your country, then maybe Abraham could think, okay, fine, I'll go from my country, but let me take this and that and that. Let me pack this for the journey and that for the journey. But God makes it absolutely clear by giving him three 
very, very specific aspects that instruction that what he is to do is to completely sever his ties with everything that represents his old way of life. So he says, go from your country, your people, and your father's household. So there's a complete about turn that God is calling him to in his life. And I think we mustn't lose how massive that is. So it was a big call, it was a big ask. And actually, as God calls us to sever ourselves from old ways of life, old habits, old securities, that is also a big call, and God knows that it is. So it's a big ask. Do you know, um, Kwame didn't know I was going to say this, but so Kwame's Ghanaian, and when we got married, that involved Kwame moving, obviously, here. And, you know, those who love him and care for him very well advised him that was a really bad move because it meant leaving everything that felt secure everything that he knew, everything that he could predict, everything that he'd worked for up until then. It meant leaving the things that actually made, kind of established him in his community. And people were quite reasonably scared. So he was advised that he would never, ever get work in this country. And that if he came to this country, he would end up being completely reliant on me because me as an English person would be the only person who could earn. And actually that was a reasonable fear because it is genuinely scary leaving what makes you secure and going into something that you don't know but that's what God called Abraham to do and that's what God calls us to do to leave the things that make you secure so thank God um, Kwame's a man of faith and so he came despite the warnings not to and actually God's honoured him and it hasn't turned out like his family told him it would and I really feel like it's just good to honour anyone here whose family are not from the UK so actually just a little show of hands I'm just interested how many people here are actually living here, but you weren't raised here and this isn't your home nation. I just want to honour you genuinely because you're really brave. So your journey here and your history will be different. Yeah, well done. (laughs) We live in a culture at the moment and an atmosphere that isn't very good at honouring you for making that journey, but actually I, I really want to because it takes real bravery to step out of what is secure and what is known and what your family have always known. You know, there's a real security to being around your family. Certainly in Ghanaian culture, your family are, are your bedrock, really, and everyone knows everyone, and that's, that's how you live. And to step out from that and to come to a nation that you don't know is massive. It's a big ask. So you probably have a sense, slightly more than some of us who are still in our home nation, of what it means for this call for Abraham to go and to leave all that he knew. But obviously for Abraham it was bigger than that. Okay, so that, uh, well done. But actually it, it still doesn't capture the full extent of what Abraham had to do. Because obviously he lived in an age in which there wasn't Skype, there wasn't phone calls, uh, in which he probably, uh, yeah, just things were different. So it's not exactly the same, but it gives you a flavour. Um, and there's also a similar call that we see later. So God's call to Abraham was to go and to leave everything that felt secure. And as I read that, it made me think about another story in which God, again, but this time through his son Jesus, was walking along a beach. And he saw some men who were fishing, and that was their security, that was their form of income, that was what they could rely on, that's what they'd always known, it's probably what their families had always done. And he said to them in Matthew 4, verse 18, he said, As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said. I will make you fishers of men. And at once they left their nets and followed him. You see, God, 2,000 years apart, operates in the same way. 
he essentially does exactly the same thing. He calls them and he gives them a promise. And that's why we can be confident that 2,000 years later he still does the same because he hasn't changed. When he calls people, he calls them and then he lets them know what he's going to do. What he doesn't do, interesting in both these examples, he doesn't tell them where they're going. See, when Kwame left Ghana, yes, it was scary, but he knew he was coming to London. Like He'd been here before. He'd seen maps. It wasn't the same thing. But when God calls, he says, come and follow me. Come to a place that I'm going to show you he doesn't ever give them the destination. He doesn't give them a map. And as God calls us and as he calls you, he's not going to give you an exact map. He lets you know what his heart is. He lets you know what he's going to do. But he won't give you a map. And that's because it's not about a destination, one journey. It's about a heart that's set on pilgrimage. Do you know the Bible says that Abraham, after this moment, lived the rest of his life in tents. I mean, that is a cost. I have to say, I'm going to go to New Day um, later on this year, and a week in a tent is quite a cost. Abraham spent the rest of his life in a tent because actually it wasn't about one destination. It was about a heart that was set on saying, God, I'm going to go where you show me, and that is faith. That is real faith, but that's a journey that God calls us on. Um, Many, many years ago now, probably more than I'd care to remember, I spent a month in South Africa at a project that a few other people here have also been to that was run by a couple where they used to, um, or still do probably, I assume, foster and look after and adopt children who had additional needs. Now, Herod, the man who ran that project, he used to often sit down with the team that I was part of and he would always remind us, he was like, do you know, when you were a child and your family or your parents said to you, we're going to go on holiday, you didn't sit down with them and say, should we get out the maps and make sure you've rehearsed the route? You wouldn't sit down with them and say, did you put enough petrol in the car and have you paid for travel insurance? Because actually, as a child, your trust is absolutely that your parents have got it covered. It's only as you get a bit older that you begin to think about those things. But as a child, you have such a faith in your parents that they know what they're doing, that actually you're willing to go with them wherever they take you. And it's that heart and that abandon that God is calling Abraham and us as a church to. That ability to say, do you know what, you've shown me enough that I'm willing to follow you, even if you haven't given me the map, even if not all the details are 100% sure. You have to be willing, and God is calling Abraham and us to be willing to leave all our securities, everything that makes us feel secure in a human sense, to be willing to throw all of that in, to say we're going to pursue you because I've seen what you've got to offer. So what did God do then when he followed it with a promise? Like I say, there's always a call and a promise. Follow me, I'll make you a fish of the men. Or... I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I'll make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So the the call comes with a promise. In some senses, I have to say this promise is a little bit vague. I mean, it's great and we're going to unpack the greatness, but actually there's lots of detail that isn't in there. There are lots of things over the next few weeks we're going to unpack that happened in Abram's life that God didn't let him know at this point. He gave him his heart and his direction, his ultimate destination. But there's a lot of detail that God fills in. But actually, first Abram had to go. And I wonder at this point how much Abram understood of what God was going to do. I suspect not a lot. If you look at some of the things that Abraham does in the subsequent chapters, mistakes he makes or brilliant moments he has, both of them together, you see that actually there's a sense in which he hadn't fully grasped what God was going to do, but he'd seen a good enough glimpse to know that it was worth stepping out and going. And the same happens with us. You know, God calls you 
And then as you're walking with him, he'll give you a bit more detail. He fills in the detail, but the detail that God fills in for Abraham never takes away from any of this. See, this is a sevenfold promise. You'll see that I've numbered them. There are seven separate aspects to this promise. In the Bible, the number seven like, represents completeness. It represents wholeness. It represents the perfection of God. When God gave this promise, he gave Abraham everything he needed. It was a complete promise and actually everything that happens to Abraham afterwards everything that God says to him afterwards every encounter Abraham has along his journey only ever expand on what this is they never take anything away and they never add anything this promise alone was enough actually this was complete and as God calls you now even if you feel like actually there are details you wish he'd give you. My goodness, there are details in my life that I wish God had given me beforehand. I would have made some different choices. But actually, what he said to me on the day when he said, come and follow me, that was complete and that was enough. And actually, God has given each of us enough for the journey. And he'll give you the next little bits when you need them. Abraham couldn't have handled it all at this stage. He just needed enough of a glimpse to go. And that's all we need. It's a commitment from God. So it's I will. I will. It reminds me a bit of almost wedding vows. There's a sense in which, so God's not saying I might or I could or if you do this then I'll consider it. It's an absolute commitment from God at the beginning of Abraham's day, before Abraham's done anything. Remember what I said. Abraham, we don't really, the Bible doesn't really tell us anything about Abraham beforehand. All I told you is what history tells us. What the Bible tells us where he lived and who his family were. That's it. Because until God spoke to him, actually the rest of his story wasn't that interesting. It's when God speaks he becomes interesting. And right at the beginning of God speaking, before Abraham does a thing, God says, I will, and he expresses his intention. And when God says that, you know it's serious. There are lots of people in life who say all sorts of things and don't do them. But when God says, I will, he will, because he stands by himself. So his own character is what holds him to account. And as um, GL pointed out so beautifully before, God is inherently good. Everything about him is good. So as he holds a mirror to himself, he cannot lie. He cannot lie. So when he says, I will, he will. And I just think it's really vital to know that actually God's commitment to Abraham comes before Abraham's response. So Abraham's response is exactly that. It's a response to what God has said. It's a response to what God's called him to. But actually God's commitment to him came first. Abraham went afterwards. And God's commitment to us as his people comes before how we respond we choose to respond because we've seen what he will do and we've seen him and that is worthy of our response but actually his commitment to you isn't dependent on what you do because he's a god of grace his commitment to you is dependent on him and who he is and abraham as we look at his story over the next few weeks you'll see some amazing moments and you'll see quite rightly why he's a hero of faith you'll also see some moments where he makes some big mistakes and as we journey with God, we're going to make mistakes. Like Pete said earlier when he shared why he's grateful, you think, man, when you look at your life, you see some big mistakes. You think, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I hadn't done that. But you know, none of that actually shapes God's commitment to you. He has made a commitment that says, I will, I will, I will, because of who he is, not because of who we are. And you see, the reason this is so key is that this promise that God spoke over Abraham is not finished. 
It's not finished. This promise was not just for Abraham's life. As I said at the beginning, Abraham has actually shaped the whole of world history from this moment onwards. His life is continuing to shape world history. This promise has not finished. The chapter of Hebrews 11 that um, Vic spoke about a couple of weeks ago gives us a synopsis of Abraham's life kind of retrospectively. So it's looking back, being able to see a bit more of what God's done. And he said then, Abraham died never having seen the promise fulfilled. He welcomed it from a distance. But actually he never saw it. And the reason for that is actually it's still ongoing and we are now part of it. So even the writer of Hebrews also hadn't seen it. They welcomed it from a distance because history has rolled on ever since and God is still building his church. He is now using us. If you are um, in faith, Galatians 3, verse 6, says this. There you go. It doesn't say that. It says, Consider Abraham. He believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. Okay, so as you believe and you believe God and with faith, actually you get to inherit this. We as a church are part of this. This promise hasn't finished. It's actually ours. It's our call and our promise, not just a call and promise for Abraham. So God is, commi- God is therefore as committed to us as he is to Abraham. So the question is then, how should we respond? So I said that Abraham's response came out of what God has said, and I've said that God is saying this to us as much as he said it to Abraham. So I'm now going to go right back to the beginning to see what Abraham's response was. Okay, so we can read it in the bottom verses, where essentially it says Abraham went. That was his response. He went, verse 4 and 5 tell us. He did what God had called him to. Remember I spoke about Jesus' call to the disciples on that bank where they were fishing, and he said to them, just like he said to Abraham, leave all your security, leave everything that makes you feel safe and come and follow me. What was their response? They went. It says at once they left their nets and followed him. The response, the right response when we hear God calling him is to do exactly what he's called us to do, to leave those securities and follow him. That's the only correct response to such a radical call. So it's a radical commitment to a lifelong journey of obedience. So Abraham's history-shaping journey starts here. You've caught us at the beginning. This is the start of all that's to come. He didn't know that God would use him to change the world. I genuinely don't think he did. But he'd seen enough of a glimpse to say that he would go. Yeah, I don't know what God is going to use City Hope to do. I know what we dream of. I know some of the things that God's spoken over us, but I don't think we'll ever know the whole of it. But I do know that I've seen enough that I want to be part of it and I want to be on that journey and I want to be willing to leave the things that make me secure or feel easy or that are familiar because God's given us a call that is bigger. Abraham said, the Bible in Hebrews 11 says that Abraham went because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And that's why he could go because he considered that God was faithful and that God had spoken And so I just want to kind of bring it home to us with three kind of separate challenges um, that I just feel God put on my heart. Um, And so I really believe that this will speak to some people here. I think first is a church corporately. God just wants us to catch a fresh glimpse of what he plans to do through us. 
Do you know, we're on a journey at the moment, and we started, well, we've been on a journey ever, we see, ever since we became Christians, all of us individually, but corporately we're on a journey. Um, and a while ago, I've got no idea how long ago, because my life is a blur, but a while ago, we took a move to go from our um, church building base on Drummond Road, and we, we moved to have and the feeling was that that was a prophetic thing about saying we are on the move and we're people on the move and now we're about to we're on the brink really of moving to multi-site and there is a cost to that so there's a cost to saying actually we as a group of people are going to end up meeting in three different places and there are some securities that get lost with that there are friendships that change because of that there are lots of things that are familiar that go and it's not that that isn't a cost, but I just feel like God wants to remind us again of the promise and give us a glimpse of what he wants to do. To say, actually, let's be galvanised by who he is and what he's calling us to. That we are called to be those who would bless the whole world, um, including New Cross, Bermondsey and Rotherhithe. Um, and that that cost is worth paying. So I just feel there's something for, for us corporately about catching hold of God right at the beginning of the story. I say we've got another few weeks to go looking at then the journey that followed, how God filled in details, how things happened, the highs and the lows. That's all to come, but at the beginning there came a commitment to say, yeah, I'm going to go. Um, and I just believe that God would want to call us again to that. I believe as well that separately there might be people here who you are Christians, you do know God, you know you know God, and you know that when God called you and said, come and follow me, that you did. You remember completely severing all your old ways of life and saying, yeah, 100% I'm following you. But as the journey's gone on and things have got tricky, perhaps you've just picked up a few of those old securities again. You know, Abraham was called to leave his country, his father's household and his people. And perhaps over time you think, yeah, I did leave everything that made me feel safe. But actually as time's gone on, I've packed, picked a couple of those bags up again and I know I have. There are a few things that I'm holding on to quite tightly now that just make me feel a bit safer. And I just believe that God just wants to give us a fresh opportunity to come back and say, no, again, would you leave all those things? Again today, would you leave some of those things that you're clinging on to and holding to? There's a grace in that. So it's not, it's not all about condemnation. There's a grace because God's commitment to you comes before your response. God's commitment to bless you and use you to bless comes way before the mistakes that we make. Okay, We all make mistakes, but God, I think, is calling you today to say, will you refresh lay those things down will you fresh let go of that will you fresh leave your father's household will you again leave those things that make you feel safe and quite finally i want to speak to those who perhaps this is your first ever moment inside a church maybe you think we're all a bit crazy your experience this morning might have been a bit nuts uh frankly that it has been quite a an unusual morning in some senses and there can be, I can imagine that you can have that feeling where you think, I feel like I just need to know a bit more about this and I feel like there's just more that needs to happen. And, and that, that's not a bad thing. It's good to find out about what's going on here. And there are lots of opportunities to do that through things like the Alpha Course. But I also just wanted to, to make clear to you that God can call you out of nowhere. So Abraham, we don't know his background. We don't know whether he'd ever heard from God before. Actually, God stepped in and spoke to him and said, go, and he went. And actually, even if this is your first time in church, even if you think we're all crazy, God can still be speaking to you and saying, will you come? Will you follow me? His call and his cry to you today is exactly the same as the one he gave to Abraham. It's exactly the same one as he gave to those disciples who were fishing at the sea, in the sea. He says, will you come and follow me? Will you come and follow me? And we can talk more about what that means, about some of the, the details of that. But for now... 
Actually, the details got worked out a bit later. The first call from God was, will you come and follow me? Will you come to a place that I'm going to show you where it is? Will you trust me? And God can be saying that to you now. Don't discount yourself or think you need to know a bit more or you need to start feeling comfortable um, in a church setting before that can happen because you could be waiting a long time to feel comfortable in a church setting. But actually God wants to speak to you now and where you are and what you're doing. So I'm going to take this opportunity just to pray for us. Um, Once I've done that, the band are going to come back and just lead us in another song of response. But it's just a way for us to to process and think through what's said. It gives God space and opportunity to speak to you personally. Um, And it also gives us a bit of a chance to, to corporately hear God. If after that you think there were some specific things that God laid on your heart this morning or just some things that you want to be able to pray through, the ministry team will be down here on the left. Um, That is the left, isn't it? I guess it depends which way you're looking. On my left, you're right. Um, And they will be there in order to be able to pray with you and speak with you. So you don't have to leave anything that's been left. I'm aware that almost I talk quite quickly and things come and go but you don't have to leave things that have been said as just a loose end actually you can sew them in by speaking to somebody and just praying so that could be if you're acknowledging that um, yes I've struggled to be well wholeheartedly in with the journey with City Hope and I want to commit again to being part of where God's taking us as a church that might be that you're saying, actually, I know that I've committed to follow God, but actually, I, in recent times, I've started to pick up just some securities from the world that I know I need to let go of again and be wholeheartedly following Jesus again. Or it might be this is your first ever time where you think, actually, I've heard God speak and I've seen something that means I want to follow him and I want to know what it means to follow him. Um, or there could be anything else. Feel free. It's not an exhaustive list. But um, on that note, I'm going to pray and then the band are going to come up. Lord, I just thank you that you don't ever change. Lord, that the way you spoke to Abraham and the things you did in his life, Lord, speak to us today in our lives. Lord, that you've got a plan and a purpose to speak to us. God, your intention, God, is that you would use us. God, this motley crew, Lord, that you would use us to be a blessing to the world around us. God, you will bless us and make us a blessing. Lord, I just pray now, Holy Spirit, would you... Just breathe life into words that have been spoken. God, would you provoke hearts that need to be provoked? God, would you cement in us, Holy Spirit, all that you want to do? Lord, I thank you that you say that your word doesn't return to you empty. Lord, that when you speak, God, there's always a purpose. Lord, and I just ask this morning, don't let anything be lost. Lord, anything that you want to do in hearts, in us, Lord, would you complete it, God, for the sake of your glory and your kingdom. Lord, we claim... Abraham's promise as our own God through faith. God, we say, would you come and do something mighty and world-changing in us? Amen. Amen.